Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Pastor Erwin Raphael McManus, and just wanted to thank you for listening. In case you didn't know, I just released a new book. It's called The Genius of Jesus, The Man Who Changed Everything. And you can order it today at thegeniusofjesus.com. As we've been diving into the material of the genius of Jesus, you may have noticed something. The chapters are not comprehensive. I mean, I, I wish that when we would step into one of these strokes of genius that Jesus unwraps, that we could capture every insight, every aspect, every nuance of that genius, but it's impossible. We just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the same with, with this particular chapter, the genius of the true. I mean, just thinking about this chapter has already set my mind into so much chaos. Every time I, I, I try to think of an example of something that's absolutely true, I start immediately being rushed with the thoughts of all the exceptions to the rule. In fact, it's really challenging to find something that is always absolutely true where you cannot find an exception if you're open-minded to it. And I think that's one of the great challenges is that, well, we human beings, we, we're, we're always, it feels to me at least, a step away from the true. It, it feels as if that even when we think something is true or the truth, we can later in our lives discover that, well, it wasn't as true as we thought. And, and when we look at, at history, and I remember early on in, in some of my own studies wondering, well, how do you de define between history and propaganda? Because so much of history is the retelling of the human story with a particular intention. And the moment there's an intention, you, behind the information, you have to then begin to question the information because you're not just talking about the data, you're talking about the interpretation of that data. And so as we dive into this particular aspect of genius, I, I want us to realize that, that there are almost like different layers of this. There, there, is, there are things that are true, things that we perceive to be true, things that we experience as true, and, and, and all of that is not what Jesus is talking about. He's actually trying to take us on a journey beyond what is true to who is true. It's a journey to the true, not so much simply to the truth. I mean, there is this unique relationship we as human beings have with truth. And, and when you think about even the, the, the journey in the scriptures and relating to to the relationship of those who are connected to God and the value of truth, it just opens up so many different questions. When I started thinking about the most famous quotes around truth, I, I, I instantly thought of two. I mean, one of them is in the Bible and one of them is not. Uh, the one that came crashing in my head was in A Few Good Men. Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Court Case, Tom Cruise's characters pressing into Jack Nicholson's character and demanding the truth. And finally, just irritated, antagonized by, by Cruise's arrogance and insolence, he says, you want to know the truth? You can't handle the truth. And that statement has rung so true in my own life. So many times in my life, I really couldn't handle the truth. I mean, have you ever had those moments in your life where someone who loved you came and told you the truth? Someone who loved you came and spoke into your life? Someone who loved you came and 
in a sense, confronted you with the choices you were making and, and instead of dealing with, with the intention behind their conversation, that they loved you, they were concerned with you, they were worried about you, they, they were taking a risk to intervene so that you do not move into a more self-destructive mode. And instead of embracing that truth, we end up usually attacking the truth teller. And I know in my own life, there have been many, many times where I was living my life making a personal declaration that I, I cannot handle the truth. I just want to live out my truth. And if my truth is in contradiction with the truth, then I don't want to know the truth. And by the way, I do think that's a part of where we are in this time in history. I think that there are many of us who actually can't handle the truth because it violates our truth. And, and we have a higher value of living our truth than we do of living out the truth. And, and then it goes even deeper than that. See, because when we're living out our truth, that actually has a huge implication that we are the source of what is true. But when we're at least searching and struggling for the truth. It's an acknowledgement that there is truth that is outside of us and that there may be a source of truth that is uh, more credible than us. So I'm going to assume that all of us right now are able to handle the truth, that, that even if it hurts, even if it's something that, that irritates us, that we want to know the truth Regardless of the consequence, I, I'm in love with Ted Lasso, and, and it took me a little while to get Kim in love with Ted Lasso, and, and, and there's nothing about Ted Lasso that she really connected to at first. She's not a big soccer fan. Um, she, she's not really as, as um, attracted to the, 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 the actors who are involved at first, and, and so I had to ask her and ask her and ask her, but finally she, when she watched it, she was addicted. Now, now Kim has a huge problem with, with just a lot of profanity on television, and so it's always really hard for her. Every time she watches the show, she goes, I, I just can't watch the show, I can't watch the show, but then she sits back down and she finishes the show with me. And one of the things I love is that Ted Lasso starts seeing a, a therapist, and, and the therapist will, will say to Ted, Ted, remember, the truth will set you free. And I don't know how many people watching Ted Lasso know that she's actually quoting the Bible, that she's actually quoting Jesus. And so here this therapist in Ted Lasso is giving the world this advice, the truth will set you free. But then she adds as this caveat, but first it will piss you off. Now, there could be no more true assessment of how we actually experience the, the most profound engagements of truth in our lives. Yeah, I think most of us, we're really open to the truth that agrees with us. But what were the real challenges, where the rubber hits the road, where there's friction, and the necessary friction to bring life change is when it's the truth that sets us off. It's the truth that makes us mad. It's the truth that confronts us. It's the truth that upsets us. It's the truth that, that doesn't feel palatable to us. It's the truth that, that almost like feels a violation of our truth. And then we have to decide whether we align our lives with the truth that is actually at war with us. So I'll probably have to admit that you can't handle the truth is, is most likely the most well-known statement around truth in our culture, but it's not the most well-known statement in history. Probably the most famous or infamous conversation around truth is between Jesus 
and Pontius Pilate. In John chapter 18, beginning of verse 33, John tells us this. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against this man. What is truth? That, that question from Pilate, which was really more of a statement, has echoed throughout history. What is truth? There's this juxtaposition of, of Pilate pretending he's searching for the truth and Jesus standing in front of him who actually personifies the truth. And it's this, this, this ironic imagery of the truth is right in front of you. And the question then becomes not Pilate's question, what is truth? But the unspoken question from Jesus, would you recognize truth if it was standing right in front of you? I get this question all the time. Does it really matter what is true as long as it's true to me? And, and, and even when it comes to belief systems, people say, well, well aren't all religions the same? And, and it's, it's really a, a, a non-philosophical way of saying, don't all lies lead to the truth? Does it really matter if there is a truth? Doesn't it all just end up washing out in the end? It's, I think, a hopeful question. Doesn't it all just lead to the same place? Because I, I hope that really it's motivated by our desire for everyone to end up in a good place. But what you can know throughout life is that, that lies do not take you where the truth does. That what is false does not take you to what is true is. And you can know that on a personal level. See, let, let, let's just, for a moment, just move God to the side and talk about our own life experience around truth. I can tell you without even knowing you, without knowing the specifics of your life, that, that the people that you are closest to, the people that you've been able to have a sustained relationship with, the people that you trust are the ones who tell you the truth. The people that maybe once you trusted and maybe once they were close to you, once you felt intimate with them, once you maybe even thought you loved them and, and, and once you even trusted them, but when they lied to you and they lied to you and they lied to you, it began to break down the relationship that you had with them and eventually you either moved into a, a dysfunctional relationship of brokenness and fragmentation and dysfunction or you finally had to decide that you could not maintain the relationship with them because a relationship of intimacy, a relationship that is authentic, a relationship that is healthy cannot exist without truth. 
Because without truth, there is no trust. And without trust, there is no intimacy. And so just on a human level, we humans are clearly designed for truth. And I, I thought a lot about this. This is, to me, so odd. I mean, why do we need truth to be healthy as human beings? So many times, in fact, I was in a conversation with, with my wife, Kim, last night. And, and as we were talking about some philosophical issues, I immediately said, well, even if there's no God, and I started explaining it, she goes, Erwin, there is a God. And so there we were by ourselves having a private conversation. And, and she got mad because I immediately said, even if there's no God, and she goes, Erwin, there is a God. And I said, honey, I know there's a God, but our brains don't work the same. I, I try to remove God from the formula to try to look at the reality of life, which allows me to break things down in a way that a person who does not believe in God actually sees it. And I think one of the great challenges is, and one of the great questions is, why is truth so essential if there's no God? Even people who are atheists and agnostics, even people from from completely conflicting belief systems have a relationship with truth that is undeniable. Have you ever heard that phrase, you, know, you can have too much of a good thing? I, I, I don't know if that's actually true. I mean, I, I, I think about it, you usually don't have anybody who's a health coach telling you don't drink too much water. I mean, I, I suppose you can't drink too much water, but, but usually you, water is pretty healthy for you. Or, or you know, don't, don't, don't inhale too much oxygen. Be careful. You know, moderate how much oxygen you're, you're breathing. I mean, I know you can hyperventilate, but that's really a, a different dynamic. And, 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 and frankly, you cannot love someone too much. You, 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 can, you can have a, a dysfunctional expression that shadows love, but it's not love. That is unhealthy but you actually can't love too much. See, I don't think you can be too compassionate. I don't think you can have too much integrity. I, I, don't, I don't think you can actually have too much hope. I, I, don't, I don't think you can be a person who has too much of those virtues that, that actually make us more human. Usually when we're saying you can have too much of a good thing, it's actually not a good thing. We, we have a friend who's one of our pastors here, Pastor Joe Smith, and and, and he can't get around cheese. I mean, he's sort of infamous around here because we can't eat pizza with him because he orders pizza without cheese. That's not a pizza. That's a cracker. And he doesn't seem to understand that. And, and, and then there's some things that are conflicting that I, I don't think are consistent because he can eat cheesecake, even though it has cheese in it. But I think it's the cake part that overrides the cheese part. And, and, and it's because when he was a little boy, he got a hold of an entire cart of, of of American sliced cheese, and he just started eating that American cheese and eating that American cheese, which he loved. It was such a good thing. And, and then, of course, he ate so much of it, it made him just brutally sick. And because of that, he, he has a reaction now to cheese, and he can't eat cheese of any kind. Or anything that, I guess, even appears to be cheese-like. Because, well... There are some things that if you consume too much of, they will not be good. But there's something about truth that is unique in its relationship to the human soul. See, there really isn't a good lie. There, there, there isn't a lie that, that makes us better or, 
or makes the world better. But the problem is that we live in a world that is so broken and fragmented that I think so oftentimes we think that the only way we can survive or thrive in this world is to use truth as a tool rather than as a compass. Because the only way you can actually work this kind of tension out is when you understand the difference between the truth and the true. When we begin to use the truth to manipulate, when we use the truth for our personal benefit, when we use the truth to actually war against the true, then we don't understand the ethic behind the truth. See, truth exists because God can be trusted. And the power of truth is that there is a source that is always true. And that source is always true in his intention. God always intends the good. So then God always speaks the truth. And one of the powerful things that we have to work through in our lives is that our souls somehow know that we're designed for truth. That when we begin to live in a lie, our souls get sick. When we live in a lie that we're telling, or we're, we live in a lie that someone else is telling, but we're accepting, we actually don't get better. There's this interesting internal compass where our souls move us toward the good whenever we start moving toward health. And you can see this in every nuance in life. When you move toward relationships where the relationship is authentic and honest, when you are truthful to that person and that person's truthful to you, you actually begin to move into a healthy relationship. When you have a relationship and you're lying to that person to keep that relationship going, or you're accepting a lie just so you can stay in that relationship, that relationship actually moves toward being destructive and, and it becomes cancerous to you. See, as a human being, you're designed for truth. And as you move your life to what is true, you'll actually find yourself healthier. I think sometimes we want to hold on to the lie while finding our personal health. You will not experience emotional health or psychological health or, or physical health or even at the depth of spiritual health until you're willing to follow the truth wherever the truth takes you. One of the things that I think is always so fascinating is that when I became a follower of Jesus, I, I, be, I entered into this language of a cosmic battle between good and evil, not just right and wrong. The battle between God and the devil. And one of the things that I think is fascinating is that the name devil actually comes from a core word that means slander. The, the word devil actually means someone who lies about you. That the, the entire strategy of the devil, and that's where the word Satan also comes from, is someone that actually assaults your character, someone who tries to destroy your character, someone who lies about who you are so that they can destroy in the mind of someone else your veracity, your truthfulness, your trustworthiness. And it's interesting, too, that the, that the word devil 
comes from a construct of two different words, which means to throw across, to throw at someone. So it's as if someone is picking up a stone to stone you with their accusations. And I think it's fascinating that this cosmic battle is not about how strong someone is or how powerful they are. This is not an imagery of, of fire-breathing dragons or giants or, or some kind of, 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 of ten-headed you know, uh, serpent coming to war against you. It's an image of a devil, of a Satan, whose core power is to convince others that you are not who you are. And that is the exact strategy that Satan uses in the garden with God. And there's this interesting little moment in, in, uh, in Genesis where the serpent comes to Eve and Adam, and they're, they're in the middle of the garden enjoying paradise, and the serpent is trying to get them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and this is what the serpent says in Genesis 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so right in this moment, what, what the serpent is actually doing is convincing them that God is not who he says he is, that God is not who he claims to be. He, he is actually using the most subtle approach towards slander. And he slanders God's character and convinces the man and the woman that God could not be trusted with their lives that God could not be trusted with his intention toward them. You need to realize that this cosmic battle between good and evil, the cosmic battle between God and Satan, is actually a battle about truth. It doesn't surprise me then that in the Ten Commandments, the Ninth Commandment is, is so clearly connected to the strategy that the serpent uses in the garden. Both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, Moses lists the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, he tells us, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 20, he says it again, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And I just started asking myself, well, if you're going to pick Ten Commandments, why would you put not slandering another human being in the top Ten Commandments? I mean, the Ten Commandments are really about social health. It's about how to create a, a healthy community, a healthy culture, a healthy nation. And, and in those commandments, God is actually teaching them how he relates and how we're supposed to relate to each other. You see, it's, it's the evil one who slanders another human being. It's the evil one who slanders God. It's the evil one who slanders you. And when you actually choose to slander, you become a part of the dark force in the universe rather than the force of light in the universe. And so God says, look, here's one of the most important commandments I will ever give you. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not slander another human being. Do not lie about each other. It's, to me, it's fascinating that God considers the importance of telling the truth and being truthful with each other and about each other to be so essential that it's in the top 10 commandments that God gave to Moses. So we go back to 
Jesus' conversation with Pilate and Pilate asking the question, well, what is truth? And Jesus having pressed against him. And it's interesting, every time Pilate asked Jesus a question, he, Jesus basically pressed back, is this what you're saying? Is this what you're saying? And, and, and instead of allowing Pilate to, to hide behind what other people are saying about him, Jesus, you know, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Jesus is saying, you know, Pilate, there is a measure of truth. And that measure of truth is standing right in front of you right now. And you're going to have to make a decision about whether you're going to live in this truth or not. And he does the, the easy thing. He, he acts as if truth is not accessible, as if truth is not knowable, as if truth is always elusive. But the reality is the truth that Pilate needed to step into in that moment was standing right in front of him. I, I think sometimes we, we pursue truths that have nothing to do with us because they have no effect on us and ignore the truths that are at the intersection of our lives. Maybe I'll never understand the truth of what a black hole is and how it exists and is there a terror in the universe. Maybe I'll never understand the truth of how the universe actually began and how life was actually started and all the, the nuances of it. Maybe I'll never understand the truth behind all the science behind viruses. Maybe I'll never know the truth about how COVID was, was started in, in Wuhan, China. Maybe I'll never understand the truth about, about um, the, 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 all the intricacies and, 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 uh, and dangers and and, and benefits of, of vaccines. See, there's so many things in life I just have to accept that I may never know all the truth about it. But it's so much easier to, to chase after truths that you actually have no control over in this moment than to ask the question, where are you running from the truth? What is the truth that you're being called to live out right now? What is the truth standing right in front of you that's confronting you in this moment? That's the truth that matters. That's the truth you need to deal with. The truth of who you are and where you are, of who you're called to become and the journey you're called to go on and the choices you have to make in this moment to get to where God is calling you to go. See, I'm convinced that with all of us, Jesus stands right in front of us. And you see, Jesus is not a guide guiding us to the truth. He, he, he's, he's not a mentor that's trying to teach us about the truth. Jesus is actually the personification of truth. He is the truth. He's not guiding us to do north. He is due north. And when he calls us to follow him, he's not calling us to follow him as he pursues the truth. He's calling us to follow him as he lives out the truth. And this is, I think, what is sometimes so difficult for us. I, I, I think that, that even many of us who, who admire Jesus and believe in Jesus and, and adhere to a faith around Jesus, but the truth is that we want Jesus to follow us so that he can affirm our truth rather than to realize that it is we who must follow him and adhere to his truth. And I wonder, even in this moment, what is the truth that God has been speaking into your life that you've been ignoring? See, not, not, not what are the facts 
Not, not what are the doctrines, not what's the information that, that you think is important to God. What is the truth that God is speaking to you about the person you are and the changes that he wants to make in your life, the person he wants you to become? What, what, what is the truth that being in relationship to Jesus that exposes what is going on inside of you, that Jesus wants to move you toward the light? What, what's the truth that you need to embrace right now? And the last thing I would ever want to hear God say to me is, you can't handle the truth. And the last question I want to ask Jesus is, what is truth? See, if nothing else is true in relationship to Jesus, it's this. When you put your life in the hands of Jesus, when you trust Jesus with your life, when you choose to become a follower of Jesus, you acknowledge not just that he knows the truth or that he speaks the truth, but that he is the truth. Jesus makes truth personal. And he wants to make it personal in your life and in mine. Sometimes I get really nervous because in many ways, I'm, um, I'm entrusted with truth. People depend on me to speak the truth. People hope and believe that I will live the truth. And, and I, I cannot tell you how, how, how weighty it is to know that I need to be really careful with everything I say. I need to always make sure that what I'm saying to the best of my knowledge and ability is the truth, but I can tell you that, that's, that there have just been times in my life where I've just been wrong. I, I just didn't have the right information or, or I had all the information that was available and then more information came. I, I've just been wrong. I've, I've, I've had to grow and change my mind and, and change my convictions and change my perspective. And anyone who says they've never been wrong is just not facing the truth. And I, I know that I'll, 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 I'll have perspectives or, or maybe, maybe even have beliefs or make decisions that, that, that in retrospect, one day I'll look back and go, oh, that, that wasn't the right decision. I should have made this other decision or, or that, that, that wasn't the, the, the right uh, analysis. I should have actually um, seen the, the data differently. Because you see, I'm human just like you are. But I can tell you this. See, I cannot control my infinite inadequacy in relationship to all the truth in the universe. But I can have control over the truth that I live. And what I know God holds me to is to be true, to make sure that everything I do and everything I say is motivated by the true, that I want to live a life that is truly worthy of trust. And I think this is the power of the true. It's not that you're always right, but you are always trustworthy. And what Jesus has come to do in your life and in mine is not to always make us right, but to always make us true. So that when we wake up in the morning and take our first breath each day, conscious and alive and ready to go, we live our lives for the true. Because the compass 
that leads us due north is not somewhere we're traveling, but it's somewhere within us. And the compass always calls us to live our lives for the true, so that we always live our lives to do that which is the good. And when we live our lives always to do the good, we are living out our lives to be the true. And maybe you're listening right now, and, and a huge part of your struggle has always been, I don't know if I can trust God, or I don't know if I can trust Jesus with my life, and I get it. But I want you to realize that if you're struggling trusting God, it's not because God's not trustworthy, it's because people have not been trustworthy in your life. See, if you're struggling to put your trust in Jesus, it's not because Jesus is not trustworthy. It's because maybe people who believed in Jesus were not trustworthy. And, and I want you to realize that, that there's no human being, not even the ones who sincerely believe in God, not even the ones who sincerely believe in Jesus, who will ever perfectly reflect the truthfulness of God. But Jesus can be trusted with your life because he doesn't just bring the truth, he is the truth because he is the one who is true. And if you'll trust him with your life, he will always be faithful. He'll always be true. He will never leave you or forsake you. And when he says that you will belong to him, that will always be true. That he will always love you. That will always be true. That he'll never walk away from you or reject you. That will always be true. That he has for you unconditional, endless, eternal love. That will always be true. That no matter what you do, he will always forgive you that there will always be more grace for you. That will always be true. And that's why I can tell you without hesitation, the best decision you can ever make is to cross the line of faith and to give your life to Jesus and to trust him that he will be true to you. And if you're here right now and you know you need Jesus more than anything, and you don't have all the answers because none of us do, but what you know is that you need God. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead so that you could live, so you could know forgiveness and freedom and life. If you're ready to receive that life and trust Jesus with your life, I want you just to pray this simple prayer right now. It's not everything you and God need to talk about, but it's where it begins. Right now, wherever you are, just pray this prayer. Just speak to him and tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus can be trusted with your life. And he wants to take that truth that he is and place it in you. And if you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus, I want you to know that God has come to live within you, to dwell in you, that you belong to him and he will never leave you or forsake you and that you will begin to live your life in the true. And it will be the most powerful sense of freedom because you'll know even when you mess up, even when you make mistakes, even when you get things wrong, that God is transforming your intention always want to live your life to do good in the world. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. 
Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.